Welcome to the Health in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Evie Takis. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who loves to help people achieve their wellness goals they once thought were impossible to reach. I am the owner of Holistically Restored, and through my coaching practice, I have been able to guide my clients through their own health journeys and teach them to truly understand their body. With a focus on hormone, thyroid, and weight management, I strive to instill the knowledge, confidence, and encouragement everyone deserves. If you enjoy this content, I'd love for you to subscribe and also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Please tell your friends, family, or anyone who is curious about bettering themselves in a holistic way. The more, the merrier. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and is not to be taken as medical advice. I am so happy you're here and ready to learn. Let's do it. All right, let's get started. So thank you so much for being here. I'm excited for you to finally be on the podcast. Yeah, yeah I've been trying to have you on here for a while. Yeah, so, schedules are yeah. <laughs> just not lining up, unfortunately. I know, but, I know, but it did now. So yeah. um, it's funny, I've actually, I've known you for almost about a year, I think. Right. Yeah, so I'm excited to formally sit down and talk and now have this conversation be something that other people can hear because I've learned a lot from you just on your social media, your YouTube videos, and you're just always providing so much information. And so it's nice to now have this formal conversation um, and dive deep into that. So I'd love to start with just who you are, what your business is, and we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah. So first, thank you for having me. And I'm glad you get good stuff out of my content. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if this makes sense to anyone else, but I'm glad it's, it's helping at least. But, yeah. Uh, my name is Kyle Waugh and I'm a physical therapist assistant, uh, strength and conditioning specialist, as well as a certified personal trainer. I've been doing this like 10 years now, which is gross to say as I'm getting old. <laughs> I turned 30 this year. So I'm like, no, that's not old. I'm 31. We're not old. Uh, this yeah. Is good. I'm yeah. like existential cries. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, I'm a, I pretty much do personal training now online with a niche of helping people more so in chronic pain who have had something, say like a backache for five years that's keeping them from being in the gym or progressing in the gym. So trying to, you know, get them back to where they are doing the lifts that they want to do, being active, again, progressing. That's probably the biggest thing and getting them out of pain and, you know, putting on some size, getting stronger, all those good things that we know we should be doing. So yeah. that's, that's really what I'm doing. It's all online, which has been an interest. I never thought I would be doing this, but it's worked out really well. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, yeah. what I do for the most part. Is that a, is because when we talked, I know that you were kind of doing hybrid, like online in person. Is that mainly from COVID? Like, is that a shift? Because I also know that you moved to Cincinnati, right? right? So were you, what was that like before? And did that all play a role into now? really growing your business online, which I think is really impressive and can, can be really hard to do too. Yeah. I mean, so I moved here from Seattle and when I was in Seattle, I was like, oh, I, I had graduated my PTA program, physical therapist assistant, and I was working what was like my dream job. So I was working with, you know, collegiate and professional athletes as a PTA, which really isn't heard of. Um, but Seattle just has a, I guess, a different vibe when it comes and the industry is a little bit different out there uh, when it comes to physical therapy but i moved here and there were no jobs and so i moved the what was it we moved march 1st of 2020 my fiance and i and i had a job for a week at a nursing home and then they found out i was from seattle which is where covid started and then they stopped messaging me and so I basically lost my job within a week oh of moving. Oh my gosh, what? Yeah. I did not know this. So I was just dating um, Sarah at the time, my fiance. Yeah. And she, you know, she was getting started at the children's hospital here. Everything was going well for her. We're living with her parents. So I'm like the deadbeat <laughs> boyfriend <laughs> who doesn't have a job. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like, I've got to make some money. I got to do something. Like I maybe, we moved it. I, we had like no money when we moved. Yeah. I maybe had like 800 bucks in my account. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. So yeah. I just went completely online. When I was in Seattle, I had tried to build a telehealth company for physical therapy and that crashed and burned. That was a terrible idea. Okay. Um, but I had learned a lot about web design, you know, 
social media, um, all the things you need to do, built that out. And that luckily kind of set me up. So within two weeks, I had an online business going. I had like four clients. I got like 600 bucks in my account and I was like, <laughs> I can pay some bills. Yes. <laughs> um, and then it, it just kind of continued to develop into what it is today. So yeah. over the years and definitely have gotten a lot better. But if it wasn't for my experience as a trainer for 10 years and also having the rehab experience, there's no way I could be doing this type of a job online. I think there's definitely a experience aspect that you need to have. Right. Like that face-to-face -face experience. For sure. Okay. For yeah. sure. That makes sense. As well as me like training myself, you know, I mentioned I've had many of injuries myself, which is kind of how I fell into this niche. And the whole time it's like, you know, we know we need to be healthy. We need to have a good aerobic capacity. We need to have strength, uh, body composition. But when you're in pain, it's, it's, it's the last thing you want to do a lot of the times, or you just kind of suffer through it or maintain, you're never truly progressing yourself. And so that's been my mission is just yeah. how can we get past that? You know, chronic pains at all time highs, obesities at all time highs. I feel like what I do is if I can get you out of pain, get you kind of feeling better and progressing that I'm adding years to your life, hopefully, and enjoyment. Out of right. That. Absolutely. Do you think that, so are the people that come to you, is it kind of like a last resort? Like they've tried all these other things and then you're the guy that's like, well, I now see it. Like I see it on that macro level. Like this is chronic pain. I know what it feels like to be there. And you have your experience of your PTA school, like that rehab part paired with the training part. Like, I think that's where some trainers fall short is if they don't have that rehab perspective or mindset or, you know, some of the things that I know that you do, which we'll get into, like, is that kind of how you work with your clients is fusing those two because of their chronic pain? It is, but at the same time, you know, movement's movement, right? I, I can act like it's all this fancy stuff, but it's just getting someone, you know, your body doesn't know what it doesn't know. So if that means we need to just put you in a position and have you breathe laying on your back, and that's what it's like for your spine to be in this one position, then that's where we'll start. Or if you're more progressed and it's like, I only have pain when I do a deadlift at 200 pounds, well, then I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm not going to have you breathe on the table probably. So I think having that experience has given me the, like I've seen people right after surgery and it's like, I can't give them advanced things, but then I've also been a trainer and it's even, well, and I will say too, like in a rehab setting with some of these higher level athletes, that's another thing too. It's like, well, I don't want to give them this basic exercise, I need to be able to challenge them appropriately and meet them where they're at. So I would look at it more as it's definitely more of a macro lens, but it's just how can I progress or regress the same stimulus that the body needs? Yeah. And that's what I'm really interested in. And before we even were recording, I told you, like, I don't even know how to ask you these questions because just the stuff that you do, like, again, I'm not, I'm not formally trained in any of this, but I've been exposed to it for over 10 years at this point. So mm -hmm. I feel like I have a decent amount of knowledge and just the stuff that you're posting, like I understand, I understand most of it, which is cool, but it's also like, just, I don't want to say it's simple because I mean, but you're like, well, maybe it is, but I mean, it's, it's simple, but like very effective from what I see. And you're like breaking things down and you're slowing things down and you're talking about activation and you're talking about breath. And so what does all, and that just doesn't seem like what a lot of trainers like in gyms are doing or talking about. So mm -hmm. what is the thought process behind that? Why do you approach things in that way and really simplify it like that versus let's do, you know, uh, lunges with curls or something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I always, I look at it as less is more. So if I can always break something down into as simple as possible, like that's, and then you understand that concept or you can feel a certain movement like that's something we can build off of versus I'm going to add more complexity, say is like, you know, the lunge with the curl. That's hard to sense what the body's doing. You're having to <clears throat> maintain balance. You're having to, there's just so much going on. So um, with that said, like you have all this stuff that's going on. 
a lot of times people don't need that. They just need to focus on one little aspect of this and then we build from there. Right. So it, you know, I don't even know what to call what I do anymore. That sounds super lame when I say it out loud, but no, it doesn't. I think in a way you've, that's a good thing that you're not boxed into something. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of different continuing education courses and trust me, I've been the guy who's like, we're only going to do postural restoration or functional range conditioning. And again, at the end of the day, movement's movement. It doesn't matter. It's just whatever is the best tool for what or one, what that person thinks is right for them. And two, it gets us the outcome that we want. So, you know, I might use breath work for this one person, but I could also give them a more progressed variation and it's a type of RDL or deadlift that their body like needs. Yeah. Where I start them off breathing. I'm like, okay, you feel that? Well, now let's go do something more dynamic and complex, but I still want you to take those same principles and things that we learned in this less complex regress variation and then apply it over here. And then we can start loading it up and, you know, promoting more fitness qualities. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, these rehab, the breathing things, I want to wean people off of that because I'd be lying to you if I said that I did it every day. What do you mean you like the breathing things? Like the exercises? Yeah. So we can go down a rabbit hole with this. Yeah, let's do it though. Okay. So You know I love breath work. Let's do it. So breath work and breathing exercises. I'm looking at these as expansion and compression of the, the, really the rib cage in a lot of ways. How your pelvic floor, your thoracic diaphragm, those are working together, I would say. For a lot of people, especially if they're sympathetically driven, they have pain, there's something going on. I'm not saying that this is the cause, but it coincides pretty well that these, you know, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, the rib cage and the pelvis are not playing nicely together. They're not really friends at this point. They're doing their own things. So breath work can be a way that we can utilize this because breathing is the only way you can actually influence every system in the human body. So we're capturing a lot of things at once. You can get movement. Um, you can regulate nervous system, your heart rate. I mean, it's everything all at once. So utilizing those in a rehab setting has been really helpful because everything I just talked about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I'm really taking these principles from, like I said, previously postural restoration Institute. They're really big. DNS is another one as well. They use a lot of different types of breathing. I've heard of that. Uh, Yeah. So they're, there are courses that I've taken and I've gone down the rabbit hole enough with. Um, but then there's also people like Bill Hartman. Um, a good friend of mine is Alex Effer up in Canada. And they've taken those same kind of concepts, DNS, PRI, and applied it a little bit more to active people in a lot of ways. So folks like you and I, and it, it just works really well in that fashion so it's it's taking those breathing exercises and then building them into lifting exercises okay so it doesn't feel so rehab focused or like slow or okay right okay so i mean really what i do is you know we do an assessment i not i we (laughs) we pick out three movements you know whatever you're limited in range of motion wise whatever's causing pain okay here's three exercises that we've gone through we've tested to see where the limitations are we do the movements do those limitations go away? Do you get improvements? Guess what? You're going to do this every single day until we need to progress it. And then on the other side of things, so that's like your rehab program or correctives or posture program, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then on the other hand, we're trying to get you back in the gym or doing something or your home gym. And it, we're also progressing fitness qualities, which we all know those can help with pain as well. You know, there's a, I always tell people a story. I had this lady and I pulled every trick I possibly could for her back pain. Like nothing was working. And I started just asking about, you know, what do you do for fun? She's like, uh, I don't do anything for fun. <laughs> like I work, you know, 12 hours a day and then I go to sleep like nonstop. And I was like, well, what if you just go for a walk like 30 minutes a day? Yeah. She's like, oh, my dog would like that. I'm like, yeah, your dog would love that. You should definitely do it. Yeah. She started getting outside. She made it part of her routine. I didn't see her for like three weeks. And then she came into the clinic. She's like, you cured my back pain. I'm like, I didn't do 
jack squat. Like yeah. you, you just went for a walk and got out of sitting for a while in this stuck position. And who knows what else, you know, I mean, she's getting vitamin D, she's getting fresh, fresh air. Yeah. Like there's so many things and that helped her. It, it, it wasn't just one thing that probably helped her. It's just that she was in a stagnant place and she needed to do something the exact opposite of that. Right. Well, and it goes back to what you're saying, like, especially that you work with people who are most likely in that sympathetic state. So, mm-hmm. again, reminder for those who don't know what sympathetic is, is it's that's more like the fight, fight or freeze state. So, again, if you're in chronic pain, you're most likely in that majority of your day. And so, and especially if you're working 12 hours a day, you're not getting outside like that is a recipe for sympathetic. Yeah. Right. Like parasympathetic, which is uh, rest and digest is going to be getting outside, getting sunlight, fresh air, breathing. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're talking about here. And I think a lot of people that I work with come to me very much in sympathetic state is they've maybe had hormonal issues long term or they've maybe had some thyroid issues or fatigue or low energy or they're not sleeping well. And that is all going to put you in a sympathetic state. Right. So it's again, it might not be a physical thing that you're feeling like you're stagnant or stuck, but all the other aspects of your body are stagnant and stuck. And so getting you to the parasympathetic is really important. Exactly. And so you're utilizing that with your with your clients, too, um, through movement, though. Right. Well, and it's it's just dosing a little bit of that parasympathetic like to where your body then has the ability to you know accelerate and decelerate at times versus we're going 100 miles an hour nonstop and the only time you're not is when you're you know hopefully trying to sleep the yeah. best you can and then you know even getting into we were talking about orange theory yeah and it's like again the the fitness industry has just told us hard work hard work hard work the more you do the better Right. And it's not the case at all. It's typically, again, less is more. Let's do something that you can actually recover from. Let's get you to where, you know, you can ramp up sympathetically through an exercise program. But then let's give you something after that to where you actually calm down the body. That's what the cool downs are for, which no one ever does. Like, I mean, I'm again, I'd be lying if I told you guys that I did my cool downs all the time. But it's at least having having that tool in the toolbox to say like, wow, you know, I just worked out for 45 minutes. It was great. I got a good sweat going. Fantastic. But now I'm at home and I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like shaking. What do I do? It's like, well, let's just calm down. Let's try a couple of these breathing exercises, get you more parasympathetic, go from there. So is that what you would can like, what is a cool down then? Is that, or what are you not doing that as a cool down? Yeah. Well, I mean like my cool downs now are just going for a walk. Yeah. Right. So after I'm done, I, don't want to be in the gym anymore, but I take five minutes and, you know, I'll probably drive home and then I take my dog for, you know, 10 minute, 15 minute walk. He loves it. I get outside and that makes, that's all the difference. When I was in more pain and having injuries, that looked more like, Hey, I'm done with my exercise. Now I'm going to maybe walk on the treadmill two, three minutes just to kind of relax a bit. And then I'm going to go lay on the floor, do some of these breathing drills that we've picked out for you. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it's hard on a podcast to like describe those yeah. drills, but they're very exhale focused. So rather than inhaling, you know, Wim Hof method, anything like that, it's more, let's exhale everything out, hold for five seconds, even 10 seconds for some people that gets the thoracic diaphragm to ascend fully. And that actually has a down regulation effect on vagus nerve and sympathetic systems. Okay. So that's why it's so heavily focused on the exhale. Exactly. Because of what it's doing to the diaphragm structurally. Okay. Yeah. Structurally. So you're really going after the vagus nerve. Okay. Yeah. In that aspect. Yeah. And um, I have been doing these breathing exercises at the end of my workouts where I'm like laying on my back and my feet are like elevated Mm -hmm. on a box. Right. And like the video description was something about, Like, this is how, I guess, like when we're babies or like at three months old or something, Mm -hmm. this is when our bodies develop. And I don't quite fully know, but is that why some of these positions, they look kind of odd, but it's based in that of like, um, getting back to the basics or getting back to how we were, you know, before we got injured or. That's taking more of a DNS approach, I would say. Okay. Um, which I mean, I've taken one course. I'm not going to say it, call myself an expert at that. Yeah. Uh, at all. Whereas like PRI, I've gone way further down the rabbit hole. Um, I would say to some degree, I mean, that's one way to look at it. 
again, I'm just looking at it as what's your body always doing? Are you always extended? Are you always in these positions where, you know, you're inflated, if you would? And then I just want to do the opposite. So let's just put you in a position where your spine can maybe actually get a little bit of flexion through it. Um, one of the things that at least PRI talks about is the zone of apposition, which is just like fancy word for you get your rib cage to stack over top of your pelvis. Okay. And that, that creates that like pressure system. So you exhale fully, your diaphragm goes all the way up in the thoracic um, cavity, essentially. Mm -hmm. Your lungs get super small. That allows for your abdominals to get proper leverage as well as your hamstrings, which are muscles that a lot of people have trouble feeling, yeah. right? Or they hamstrings cramp up every time they use them. But that allows for those muscles to work and you actually get the intestines and everything to kind of pack in the abdomen the, the way they should be yeah. versus being distended. And that's where a lot of this can kind of fit into, you know, pelvic floor rehabs, um, all that. Yeah. Type of stuff. I love that you're talking about the diaphragm and like talking about the thoracic region. And mm -hmm. um, because I know my first exposure to breath work years ago was um, belly breathing. Yeah. And it's it's like I feel like now people are starting to get out of that of like, well, where are your lungs? They're not in your belly. Right. So, I'm, you know, if you could expand a little bit on why that's so important to have your have your ribs move. And I and also explain what that means, because. It's like, what do you mean my ribs should be moving? What does that mean? Yeah. So I'll first want to say belly breathing is not bad. Sure. Right. Belly breathing is a good place to start. Yeah. And me, I still utilize belly breathing. It's just probably like 10% versus the 100% I used to use back in the day. Um, but getting the more of a thoracic expansion or thoracic movement is actually more beneficial for most people, I would say. So if you think of how the abdominals and the belly really work, you take a breath in, it's not very difficult to put pressure there or to expand the belly and contract it. Now, when I get someone to actually do a thoracic breath, that's really tough because people it's, it's like, what's the passive path, excuse me, what is the path of least resistance? A bunch of muscles and intestines or bones that should be moving but they don't really want to move in yeah. a lot of ways. So we get stuck in this, you know, I think the lungs should expand 360 degrees, but with the belly breath, it's more that they are expanding like a piston. So just more vertically. So they go up and down versus out. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So when we get a thoracic breath, we're utilizing intercostal muscles, which are the little muscles that go in between each and every rib. So if you ever get a rack of ribs, you're eating intercostal muscles, basically. Um, but you're getting those to actually expand and contract effectively. And again, it goes back to that idea of like, you don't know what you don't know. So if you haven't really felt that in a while, or I, I won't say you like can lose the ability, but again, your body's trying to save calories all the time. If you just do belly breaths, it's like, cool, that's easy. But when you actually start to utilize the thoracic breathing, getting those intercostals to move, you get the expansion appropriately, and the diaphragm to actually do its job, that's where we start to see really good things happen. Yeah. For someone who maybe wants to try this at home, um, what's a way that they can see if their if their ribs are moving up and down? Like is filming yourself and then like maybe playing that video and like seeing if your ribs are because we're actually talking about your ribs moving. Like we're not right. talking like this is something that it should be visible and maybe not like I don't know, as visible as like a belly. But if you're recording yourself, you should be able to see like your ribs are expanding. Um, and just a cue for like the women who are listening to this. I think it's easy to think of if you're wearing like um, like a bra or something and you want your basically you want that strap around your bra around your ribs to get really tight when mm -hmm. you're taking that breath. So if that feels really tight, then you know that you're having that 360 breath happening. Exactly. And, you know, it it's tough. Because that's really like teaching that type of breathing. That's, I mean, I'll spend two weeks with someone just on that or even just fully exhaling and trying to pause at the end of that exhale. Like most people freak out because they've never had to hold their breath at the end of an exhale. It's like, you know, as kids, you jump in the pool and you're like, like breathe everything in and then I jump. Um, so I, one of the ways that I do this is 
either have someone start in with their hands on their belly and their lower ribs. So where like a rib flare would be, I'll have them exhale everything else. And then when they breathe in, that should stay relatively still or it should all move at the same time as say the chest rising, right? So you're getting everything to expand the entire um, abdomen or not just abdomen, but just, you know, from pelvic floor up to your neck, essentially like everything's expanding 360 degrees versus just maybe your belly rising or even those low ribs flaring out. Yeah. When you see someone that has, like, if you work with someone and you're doing an assessment and there's some flared ribs, do you know that that's okay? We need to work on some of this breath work stuff or. I try not to use visual. Like, okay. It's more about what are the mechanics that are going on. Okay. So, you know, I've seen people who have horrible quote unquote posture. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is going to be rough, but they move amazing. They have no pain excuse me, they have no pain. There's nothing wrong like going on with them. And I'm like, do I really need to make this into a problem? Probably That's not. So interesting that you bring that up because I've always felt like I have horrible posture. I'm very much like, I mean, everyone I think now is like the neck is forward and we're all right. you know looking down at our phones or staring at computers. But um, I've always honestly been self-conscious about it. But then the more I'm learning about this, I'm like, well, I feel like I've been told that I move pretty well. Yeah. So, and then you, like, you talk a lot about posture on your social media and how it's, and so I've just, I don't know, I don't feel as self-conscious or like it's that problematic. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, one, you can look back through history at the different definitions of what quote unquote good posture is. So this whole like posture changes, it's the same thing as, um, you know, what people found to be attractive, like for versus a male and a female, like what body compositions you look at the seventies, it looked different than what it did in the eighties and then the nineties. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, um, media and whatever was in the movies at the time. Right. So posture is the same way. What we considered to be good posture and bad posture is just what is socially acceptable at this time. That's so interesting. So could it be detrimental for someone to try to have quote unquote good posture where they're like their shoulders are back, oh, yeah. their chest is up. Okay. Yeah. And I say that too, because that was me for forever. Like yeah. I, especially when I first, you know, started getting into personal training, you know, I had bouts of shoulder pain. I went to a physio and or a physical therapist and they were like, Oh, your shoulders are round forward. Like this is the cause of everything. And you know, they weren't looking at the other aspect. I look back now, I was like, well, I was in college. I was drinking lots of beer, staying up late and trying to train in the gym. And I was in a constant caloric deficit, no sleep. And it's like, well, maybe that's probably why I felt like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my shoulder was hurting when I was training. My body was like, dude, stop. Yeah. It wasn't my posture or the position that this joint was in. Right. So again, it's just kind of, I, I would say, it, to answer your question, like holding your shoulders back, like we shouldn't have to consciously control any aspect of our movement, right? It it can be beneficial for us. So say, you know, there's like the power pose, like I'm going to give a speech, like hold, you know, puffing your chest out and all that, like that can really help in that instance. But as soon as you give the speech, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And if you're focusing on your posture, like you're probably not focusing as much on the task at hand. Right. So yeah. I tell people that, you know, they sit at their desk and they're cranking their shoulders back. And then 10 minutes later, their shoulders slump forward. And it's like, stop fighting your body. It's doing what it wants to do. It's trying to be efficient mm. with, again, conserve calories and keep you. I mean, being there isn't necessarily, it's not necessarily that the posture is the problem. It's just that you're being stagnant for so long. Okay. Okay. In what about the sternum? That has to do with it too, right? Kind of like yeah. thinking, because that was explained to me one time of like your sternum has to do with your posture too. Thinking of it as like what, like a water well or a water pump or something like that. Yeah. So there's like a pump handle. I even kind of think of it as like a, a rudder in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, there are instances, I, I look at posture as it helps me form a hypothesis. It's like, how's the whole body, you know, behaving in the environment that it's in right versus like does that make sense yeah it does yeah. yeah it's just like it's the shape that you're making in comparison so if you're always sitting at a desk 
your body's probably going to be making a shape that's efficient for that environment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're someone who's always powerlifting, mm-hmm. your body's going to create a posture that's more efficient and specialized for that. That's so interesting to think about it that way. Right. Okay. I mean, we're just glorified amoebas at the end of the day. <laughs> like if you think of an amoeba and how they move, like they, you know, put one part of their cell wall out and then they kind of like pull the rest of them behind them. Yeah. But also if you take different types of compounds and or chemicals and you put it in the water, like they're going to adjust to the environment and we're the same way. So it's like, I'm going to give you a ton of work. You got to stay after every day this week. Like that's a dose of sodium in the environment and yeah. you're going to react to that in some way and your posture is going to change and your chemical, what you're breathing like and what you're chemical, chemically and hormonally doing, like that's all going to change because of the environment. Yeah. Right. I think we're getting off t- off of what we no, said I'm, initially no, about what I'm posture is. By this. No, I love it because I think, I think that makes sense. Right. Because especially for someone who doesn't spend most of their time or day talking or thinking about this. That totally makes sense of like, I mean, I think back to when I was in college, I mean, I was active walking on campus and all that. And that's when I really started to lift weights and get into the gym. But I'm like, I was hunched over my laptop majority of the time studying, doing stuff. And then, yeah. And so it is. And I think back to that's when a lot of my pain started. Yeah. And so that makes sense that I was just kind of morphing into what my environment needed me to be at that time. Right. And again, it's, we get, we think of this in such a negative context too. It's like, oh, like my body's giving up on me. It's like, no, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's doing, it. it's creating the shape for the environment. It's specializing because it doesn't, it wants to do well. Yeah, like it's adapting. It's adapting, okay. 100%. Yeah. So it's, again, it's less about, it, it would be easy for me to be like, well, okay, you're slumped over your laptop, pull your shoulders back. Like that's such a, two-dimensional way to look at it instead it's like well how about we make sure that we're dosing this appropriately you're here in this hunched over position for six hours at a time for three months well how about we just do the opposite and make sure that you're taking appropriate breaks you're walking we're addressing this in your fitness routine you know so that way i can give you something that's maybe got a little bit more rotation to it and i probably don't want to give you a bunch of exercises like super heavy deadlifts, unless that was your goal, but like heavy deadlifts and bench press, because that might kind of lock you up a bit more when you're already slumped over and locked up in front of a laptop. Yes. That is what I love about your approach is that you think about it in that way, because it's very easy to say, you know, I'm sure it's easy as a trainer, you know, you, we want your client to reach their goals, but if they come in and let's say they want to be doing heavy deads or, you know, they Mm want to be like a power lifter or whatever, Okay, sure. But like, does it make sense with where you are in life right now? What your overall movement outside of the gym is? Can your body handle that load? So I just appreciate that you view it in that way too, because it's very easy to get sucked into that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also just being honest with people. It's like, Hey, you want to be a competitive powerlifter? That's cool with me. You feel like a garbage fire right now? Like, okay, we should probably address that. So it's not that I want someone to like, if they have that goal, I'm here to supplement and help, but it's like, let's change up maybe the accessories that you're doing during your lifts. Let's add a morning cardio routine, something that you're not getting a lot of. So like, I want you to go focus, get 10,000 steps, get some early sunshine stuff, things that just kind of like decompress you in a way. And that can help offset the garbage fire and your pain and all this other stuff that's happening. And then you can continue to compete. And then once you've hit that, you know, you hit your competition, you hit the weights, we cheer you on. Then as soon as we're done with that, we're going to deload you and go the opposite direction of all the compressive movements you were doing, get you to rotate, be a little bit more human, and then slowly ramp back up. And that's where it gets into, sorry, I keep hitting this. That's that's where it gets into, you know, program design and periodization of what we're doing each month, each quarter. And I just try to look at it from a, it's having that ability to look at it from a macro lens. Like I need to look at this from 20,000 feet above what your training look like for the next three to five years and what are your life goals. And then your knee hurts right now. Let me zoom all the way in and be able to look at this individual joint and what's happening there and how that applies to the rest of your body. 
I love that. I like that approach a lot because I've done, I, um, I've just always been like the, I'm just going to keep training this way. And mm -hmm. even though I feel like garbage, I don't really know why, but I'm just going to keep pushing at it because I'm sure that it'll go away. And it makes sense to phase it in like that. Of mm -hmm. like, this is going to be more of a restful phase or more of, you know, like in terms of like the work that I do, it's like, this is, you're like in a healing phase, you're in a gut healing phase, or you're in a hormonally balanced healing phase. And mm -hmm. so that might mean that you have to slow down with whatever, or that might mean that you can't, you know, do certain things that you used to while you're in this healing phase. And I just think that makes sense physically too, right. for the body. There's, you know, it's, I mean, we can get super woo woo with this, but I mean, you look Let's at everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think of how nature is like there's seasons, right? There's different types of sunlight at different or different amounts of sunlight at different times of the year. You look at all the other animals and they go through different cycles where they bulk up and then they lean out. And, you know, even from a, like a hormone, like, you know, they have mating seasons and then times when they don't mate, like, why are we any different? Just because we are good at manipulating our environments. It's like, we kind of forget that we can manipulate the environment yeah. in a way to help us right. to where it's like, well, stop doing the same routine over and over and over, especially if you don't feel well, let's just add in a little bit of this or that, or kind of go the opposite way for a month and see what happens. Yeah. Like living cyclically in that way. Yeah. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that if you do take a break, you do not necessarily take a break where I'm not going to work out at all, but you do more of like, you said rotational things or things that aren't as compressive or mm -hmm. um, as hard on the body, then when you do get back to that, you're probably going to be much better at it. For sure. And I'm, I mean, I can say that personally, as well as clients that I've worked with, because I've had a lot of time to kind of play trial and error and see what works. So like my own training right now, I, I mean, I'm just a, I'm a bro lifter at heart. <laughs> I just want to put on muscle mass and, you know, push myself in that aspect. So, I always looked at it as I have to bench press, deadlift, squat, heavy. And if I'm not doing that, I'm wasting my time. And I can say in the past, I've made more progress in the past six months. I've added 20 pounds of muscle by doing just rotational or unilateral lifting, one arm at a time, one leg at a time. Then, and I hardly even did any squatting type variations or like barbell back squats. Yeah. And so you can still make a lot of progress. It's just knowing how much to dose weights and reps and what your body needs and mm -hmm. what it's going to accept a little bit more. Working within your limits versus just kind of beating your head against the wall. Yeah. And what else? I know that you also do a lot of other things to you know, for your health, but what are the things that maybe you've done now to give you that progress that you weren't doing before? Like yeah. in terms of like outside of the gym? Yeah. So definitely sleep and nutrition. I mean, those are the two factors. Like if you're trying to gain weight and you're not in a caloric surplus, and I'm not saying like you have to be a thousand calories positive or anything, but like 250 to 500 calories, it's not going to be fun. And that's something too, sympathetically, if you're always in like a chronic dieter, right? Like that's going to make you more sympathetic. You're at more of a risk for injury. You know, that's one of the few correlations that we know. You put take a bodybuilder who's cutting. He's at more of a risk or injuries happen more often when he doesn't have enough calories to fuel his body and recover from his workouts. So mm -hmm. really honing in on calories. And when I say hone in, I mean, I'm not tracking every single day, but, you know, every two weeks, do a three-day food log, just kind of see where I'm at. Um, letting that help guide my own intuition, like using that objective data to be like, okay, that's what that, that's what 4,000 calories feels like. That's what 2,000 calories feels like. Let me make a meal plan around this. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one, I would say. And then number two is definitely the sleep. So I mean, we've talked about this with the the aura rings and everything. Yeah. I thought I was like the best sleeper in the world. And I think everyone thinks that it, it's always funny because I, I post stuff on Instagram and so or uh, YouTube and people are like, oh, wow, you're talking about sleep and nutrition. Like, whoop-de-doo. I'm like, actually check it then. Yeah. Like, if you're really that confident about it, then like, I want to see your MyFitnessPal. I want to see your aura ring stats because I guarantee if you're still not hitting the goals that you are or you're in pain, 
like that's all out of whack. Yep. Right. Yeah. And what has, how has that changed for you? So definitely with this aura range, I mean, I, I thought I slept eight hours, but I would just like lay in bed for eight hours Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is what it turned into. Right. And so, um, I would actually probably get like five, five and a half hours of sleep. But you'd be in bed for eight hours. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, you got to think like the first hour, I'm probably like sitting on my phone, <laughs> scrolling, you know. That's not good sleep hygiene. I know, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm sleeping, I'm resting. Yeah. I finally fall asleep. And then because of that, you know, the sleep hygiene stuff, um, it my sleep is thrown off. I'm not going to bed consistent times. So... I think one thing is because the body is adaptable, a lot of people probably still have those type of like habits and they don't know what it feels like to feel good. <laughs> right. Yes. So yeah. it becomes like a normalized thing. So I thought five hours was eight hours and that, oh, this is the best that I can do. And this is normal and I feel okay. But then it's like, here's what an actual week of good sleep feels like where I woke up at 6 a.m. and I saw the sunrise and, you know, that that's a whole nother conversation. But, mm -hmm. you know, I get all these other factors kind of going. It's like you go a week and it's like, man, my weights are going up in the gym. I'm not as achy as I was. I feel just energized. I feel good. I don't have to have a cup of coffee if I don't really want to, but I'm going to because I like coffee. But, yeah, <laughs> you right. know, it, it's just you feel good. Yeah. And that goes a, a long way. Yeah. And that's stuff that... I think I talk about this with clients and, you know, on my social media, but it's that free medicine that we just ignore because it's almost too simple to be effective. Like, or right. we think that we're like, well, sleep is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll, you know, I'll sleep when whatever. And it's like, well, you're not really going to be able to do any of that when you're older if you don't sleep now because you're going to be crippled or you're not going right. to like have energy or anything. You're going to have some sort of injury or you're going to be too fatigued. Like, I don't know. I just think that if we can go back to the basics and like we, we were talking about a little bit ago, living cyclically, like it, I think we just need to think back, like how are humans living, you know, many, many years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Can we get back to that simple time? Like electricity is great. It has right. made our lives very convenient, but like think back to that when the sun went down, the day was basically over. Like you lit your house, your house with like a fireplace or candles. Like mm -hmm. you didn't have LED lights in your face. You weren't looking at screens for eight out, you know, another five hours. Well, and work stopped. Right. Work stopped. Yeah. I mean, there. what could you do? You had to go home and mm -hmm. you, you ate with your family. Like you spent time with them. You got to think too, you actually probably worked hard enough to make yourself tired yep. too. Yeah. And you saw the sunlight because again, mm -hmm. you're probably working outside. Most of the time you're not driving from, you know, your house to another building to be inside all day. So I just think like, how can we get back to that simple time? Again, a lot of great things about the way the world that we live in now, but just think back to that. And if you can get back to that, you're going to really feel yeah. like this bigger ROI on your health, I think. Right. And so you mentioned seeing the sunrise, you know, I love the morning walks. I love mm -hmm. getting my sunrise walk. So what has that done for you? Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's not something that's evident. It's not like I saw the sunrise and I don't need coffee ever again. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't work that way, but it, it's something that, so I started practicing that back in Seattle because one of the, you know, it's super cloudy there. It rains a lot. Seasonal depression. I was like, no, I'm above it. Like, I'm not, it's not going to affect me. No, it got me. <laughs> so that spring, I kind of got into some of the, you know, circadian rhythm um, information. And I was like, what do I have to lose? Like, I'm just going to wake up at six. It's probably a good routine to get in. I'll see the sunrise. It gives me an excuse to do it. And probably two, three weeks into it, I was like, I feel like a different person. Like, yeah. I'm actually sleeping well. I structured my day well. I was doing that actually during my clinical rotations. So I would actually have to drive like two hours to Tacoma from Seattle and then two hours back, plus working a full eight hour day. And then I would also pick up some clients at night. So <laughs> in a oh gym. My gosh. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I was definitely tired when I got home, but there was something about waking up. It, it just like set that routine. And I got to the point where internal clock, and even since then, like today, there's something about 6 a.m. I wake up like five minutes before every single time. And it, it's true. Like this, like you really, 
you again you don't know what you don't know so it's like you have to at least like experiment with that a little bit right but i think that has a huge effect um i know just kind of playing around with some of like the at-home like testosterone tests like i've played around with those just to see so i kind of do one like every like six months or so and so like t levels rose for me which was cool but you know also like quitting uh quitting my day job and working and working out and do all that stuff and stress levels have reduced. I think that's helped too, but um, just feeling it, it's a feeling you can't explain. Right. It's just, but, but it's you like, want other people to get it. Yeah. And you're just like, it, gosh, like if you could just try this, like just do it for like a month and then try and tell me that you don't feel different. Right. Yeah. It, it's, you know, or at least you'll be more organized or I mean, yeah. no one's ever complained to me and been like, Oh, I hate being a morning person. Like, yeah, it's like once you're a morning person, it's just how it is. You get stuff done. Right. Right. And I think it's, again, you don't, I, I know from my own experience, I didn't know how bad I felt until I started to feel better. Mm-hmm. That was just my new baseline. Right. And so once I got a taste of that, I was like, I'm not going back to that. Like, I can't go back to what it felt like to be fatigued, Mm -hmm. to have cravings all day long, to not be sleeping well, to have anxiety. Like, I just, I said, I refuse to go back to that version of me. And so that's what keeps driving me to do the things that I'm doing. Because once you know that this is actually how it's supposed to feel to be healthy, you're just want to keep, you want to keep going for that. For sure. It's a momentum that you build. It's a momentum. And then it's a belief too. You know, we have... I think with social media, unfortunately, and there's always someone trying to sell something and all these different things, but it's like, you're either not working hard enough, but your body's also frail and fragile. So don't hurt it. And it's just like, there's no in between at all. And then it's like, what do people do? Well, they hurt or they feel like crap, but then they go to orange theory and then they make themselves feel like crap more. And they're just overloaded all the freaking time. Yeah. And so I would rather have someone quit the gym for two weeks and just practice trying to get good, healthy sleep and go for a walk every day yeah. and start there. Yeah. Then trying to put together a six day a week program where we kick your butt and make you sweat. Like, great. That's like, is that sustainable? You know, I would, what probably is sustainable is you sleeping and eating well and then getting some good solid movement throughout the day start from there and then let's build up to you know here's what a three day a week program feels like in the gym yeah let's build out healthy habits and routines around this foundation like those are like my pillars Mm -hmm. if my sleep my nutrition those things aren't on point and now i know too it's like well like right now i'm building out that program and it's like i'm working a lot i know my sleep and my nutrition probably won't be perfect but I know as soon as I'm done with this, like I'm going to go back to my old routine. Yeah. They're there to, they're the backbone to your health. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, why I love that. It's a that. give and a take yeah. kind of thing. I know when I need to kind of put those aside and I got to work hard. But as soon as I'm done with that, I have to be able to cyclically get back to those and it's going to reset me and I'm going to feel good again. And mm-hmm. I can kind of restart and jump back into the next project, you know, in another week or so. Yeah. I know. I fear talking about routines sometimes because I don't want people to feel like they're boxed into them because I love a routine and Mm -hmm. a lot of my clients, like we get them on routines that make sense for them, but also are a lot of the things that we're talking about, right? Like circadian rhythm support, nervous system support, all that. But I just... I don't talk about routines as in like I do them no matter what. Like there are some mornings where I don't go on a walk, but I'll still sit outside for like five minutes and get that sunlight. Exactly. Like that foundation is still there and it's there to support you. So I don't want you to think that like if you, if you're not going to do it a hundred percent, then you're not going to do it at all. Like 80% is still passing. Exactly. And that's, again, it's all or nothing. Yeah. And, And that's what everyone feels like they have to do. And it's just, you know, small changes. And that's something too that, you know, like when I first started doing the circadian rhythm stuff and I started seeing the sun in the morning, I wasn't really working out. There was nothing else. I was kind of making some changes to my diet, but I really just wanted to see like, does this have as big of an effect? Is it what all the hype is about? Mm-hmm. And it was like, Oh, well, this made a pretty drastic change. You know, I went, from, I was able to like read a book for more than five minutes and you know, I felt good and energized throughout the day. Like it really helped. So it was something that I then stuck with. And then I added the next piece and I built on that. And then it's, 
you know, you make these small little adjustments throughout the year. And then next thing you know, 365 days have passed and you have this whole toolbox of things that you know will make you feel better and that you can always fall back on. Yes, exactly. Right. When you were talking about taking a break for maybe a couple of weeks and then coming back, like that reminds me last summer I went to Greece um, and was there with my parents and I didn't lift. I lifted the like the second day I was there, mm -hmm. you know, what, and I was like, I'll, I'll stick with my routine. And I didn't work out formally mm -hmm. the whole time I was there for two weeks. And that's, I've never done that real. I mean, maybe like, I don't know, years ago I took some yeah. time off, but I've never not lifted or done resistance training for that amount of time. But I was walking everywhere. I was in the sun like all day long. Mm -hmm. I was eating fresh fruit. I was eating more food than I usually yeah. eat. You're probably happy. Yeah, I was enjoying extremely yourself. happy. I mean, that my best self is there when I'm with my family and I'm in yeah. my culture. Like that is that is what it means for me to feel like I'm in alignment, right? And I came back and I was like, I've lost weight. I'm sleeping better. Like digestion was on point. Mm -hmm. Like bowel movements were so good. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so bizarre to me that taking two weeks off of something that I thought was like I had to do or else everything would fall apart. And so it was a good reminder that like you do need to have those breaks and you do need to have those cycles. And I'm not saying quit working out altogether. Like, again, there were a lot of factors in that. It was like I was getting sunlight. I was getting fresh air. I was walking. I was swimming all day. I was happy. I was laughing. I was with friends like that all stuff that parasympathetic was definitely, you know, revved up mm -hmm. and it was just really cool and a good reminder for me, too, because I do tend to get into the whole like like the whore, like the blinders on. Right. Of Like I right. have to do this because this is all I've ever known. And so that opened up my world to, hey, maybe taking a break isn't a bad idea. Or maybe pairing, you know, coming down on intensity isn't a bad idea overall. Right. Well, and it's, I mean, if you look at some of these power lifters or even like high level athletes, every time you look at their periodization or how they program all of their exercises, there's an off season. Yeah. Right. They take a lot of time off you looked the highest level i mean you can even look at like the enhance like the enhanced guys taking all the testosterone and whatever other steroids that they're taking they'll take three months off of lifting and they won't touch a weight and they yeah. just live their life yeah and so again it's just it a routine is effective but it has to be a routine like i i don't know i'm weird i look at everything as like spectrums or like continuums so it's like here's my routine but it can you know, ebb and flow one direction or the other as I need it to. Yeah. Right. So I need to work out today, but uh, like I'm feeling like crap and I have a lot to do. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get, get my work done. Like I need to do it, but I may not take up the weight this, this workout. Right. Or I'm going to make sure I do a little extra. I'm actually going to do my cool down type of thing, or I'm going to work or warm up just a little bit extra, go for a longer walk or some days we'll just replace it with a walk. Mm -hmm. just go with my dog and you know i like doing four day a week workouts because i can push days one way or the other i can do it earlier in the week later in the week when i'm feeling good it just having that flexibility yeah i love that you talked about it as like um like a continuum or like mm -hmm. a, a threshold almost of, right like it doesn't have to be all or nothing which is most i think of what a lot of people um, that's how they're living and functioning is all or nothing. I'm either going to work out four days a week intense or I'm not going to do it at all. Or I'm either going to work like if I'm not going to go in and bust my ass in this workout, then like I'm not going to do it. Right. It's like, well, why not? Like go give yourself 15 minutes. If you still want to quit after 15 minutes and go ahead. But most likely you're going to be like, you know what? This is actually feeling really good. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about that before on the podcast, especially of like not making ex like excuses versus circumstances. Like the circumstance might mean that I need to I need to tone down the intensity today, but I'm not going to make an excuse to just not work out at all because I didn't sleep or whatever. Right. It just means I have to adjust. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I, I think one thing that does help us though, is that we've done this for a while so we can self-regulate this. So, you know, for probably a beginner, I would say, let's start with a routine, something that's probably less than what you think you need and build that out first. And so that way you can then get those like self-regulation skills down. Cause I think that's like, I mean, there's this one guy, I can't remember his name, but he was posting how he helped this one gentleman. He lost like 120 pounds. It was crazy. But the first thing he had the guy do was he didn't even set him up to go to the, like into the gym. 
He just said, five minutes a day, I want you to go sit in the parking lot of this gym. And so he started building out the habit of this guy after work, driving to the gym, and then he just sit there. And then they built up to him, like going in the gym and just five minutes on the treadmill. That's it. And then you're going to now do this circuit on the machines. And so could he have progressed faster? Maybe, but I think instead they put a lot of investment in that good healthy habit or just this routine aspect. And then this guy now has like a life skill that he can apply at any point in time. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah. I, I'm almost speechless at that. Like that's so, that's so effective and you're right because, and it is easy. And I, yeah, because you and I have been doing this for a long time, mm-hmm. right? So it is easy, like you said, to self-regulate. But to think about it in that way of like building up these habits. and But it is hard too because some clients want to jump in with both feet. And it's like, well, let's, you know, let's, you yeah. got to reel them back in. Like, you have to, like, don't look at me today and think that that's how I've always been. Like, I've mm-hmm. worked to get here. Right. I started out with very tiny baby steps. And I think that's the most effective. It's, you know, that book, Atomic Habits. Like, everybody mm-hmm. loves that for good reason. And so... You have to think about those habits in that way. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Definitely. Well, and I would say too, for those people, like that's where I'll program something where they can go all out. And it's like, you you have the energy. I love it. I want you to do it. But here's something that I know you can't mess up. <laughs> You're yeah. going to find it fun and it's going to like let you, it, it's going to help them build that habit even more. So yeah. like in a program, I love like AMRAP. So like as many reps as possible. It's like, okay, I want you to go absolutely ham on this bicep curl. And, you know, especially for guys, they're like, oh my gosh. Or like for girls, it's like, you know, do this um, glute exercise. And like, my glutes are on fire. And they get that sensation that they're really like looking for, that change. Because again, everyone looks at sensation as making a change. It's the work that you've done. It's not necessarily the case, but at least gives them like, I did this work. I feel this. I feel like I'm doing something positive for myself in the long run. Yeah. And then that really like lets them move in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. And we're not, you know, hindering someone's progress at all. Right. But yeah. it, that's where it's just like picking out the right movements. And then and that's where an assessment really comes into play. It's like, you can't mess this up. It's within your ranges of motion. You're not having pain with it and you like it. Right. That's the golden ticket right there. Let's, you know, do that a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun with it. Right. So is that where you start an assessment for someone who's interested in working with you? Yeah. I, okay. I assess, I look at, you know, and two, like people come to me because they're, they have something going on typically. So they're like, my hip has been pinchy for the past 10 years and I can't progress my squats. Like, okay, well, let's look at your range of motion. What's your hip flexion look like? Let's see you do a squat. Is there, you know, I have like a three strikes you're out. Do I see something in the posture? Do I see something in a big like compound movement, like a squat? And then let's see you on the table with gravity not affecting you and see if that same thing presents itself. If it's there, then you probably are going to have a, it, you're probably going to have a positive influence or it's going to work well if we make a change to this. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that, cause I, I don't like being the guy I have been that guy. I'm like, I can pitch someone's posture apart all day, make them feel like absolute garbage about themselves. I'm like, you look bad. And it's like, that doesn't help anybody. No. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. instead it's, it's like, you're doing all this good stuff, but you're not crazy because you're feeling this because we have these biomechanical things that are going on. And then we also look at your lifestyle. I'm like, oh, let's make some tweaks. Yeah. Let's attack this from a couple of different angles with simplicity, you know, simplicity. Yeah. And then let's have fun with it as we make these changes. Yeah. No, I, I think in, I think that's helpful to hear your approach at it because it can be intimidating of like, well, is this person just going to be judging right. all the bad things that I already know are there? Like I'm already insecure about right. and I don't need them to like highlight them even more. I mean, obviously you'll see them. We don't need to be, mm-hmm. you know, talking about them forever or that be the only focus. Right. So um, aside from one-on-one, um, which again, this is all virtual, right? So is this like yeah. a live thing where you're like, Or do they record videos? How does this work? Yeah. So the way I run it is I either do like bi-weekly, like one-on-one, one-hour calls, or I do weekly calls. And so I'm really working as more of a consultant. I never, like as a trainer, 
I never really understood why we only met with people like for one hour, three times a week. And then I never knew anything else outside of that. It's like this person shows up and they're like, I'm not losing any weight, but they're drinking on the weekends and their diet's crap. And they don't tell me anything about that. Whereas now I can sit, I personally find it more beneficial to be online and look at looking at this program of like, this is what a month looks like. This is what six months, a year looks like for this person. So being able to meet with them one hour a week, I have data to go off of. Uh, so I use Trainerize, which is a fitness app, like True Coach. You know, I can see their steps throughout the week. I can see heart rates. You know, they hook up their aura ring, whatever it is to it. And they're giving me the data to work with. It's like, well, what happened this week? Well, you know, little Sally, my daughter got sick. And I'm like, oh, well, no big deal. Like, you're still moving in the right direction. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I can, we can talk about this here. You know, when that happens or, you know, I, can't, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but whatever. Yeah, you can uh, cuss on Like, here. shit hits the fan. Like, <laughs> don't worry, you're still moving in the right direction. Just maybe do this one exercise instead of the whole routine for your rehab stuff. Okay. Like this is the best bang for your buck. Yeah. So, so you really are looking at it from that macro lens, like you said. Exactly. Okay. So those one hour sessions, it's, you know, let's, are you struggling with an exercise? We're retesting. Is your, you know, hip mobility or whatever it is that we've been testing, is it improving? Is it not? Let's go through the exercise, make sure you got it down. Let's look at the breathing exercise or you know, you told me that this deadlift variation feels like crap. Like, let me see you do it. Let's tweak it. Okay. So people don't necessarily, they're not like in the gym with you during that call. Nope. Okay. Nope. So they'll like upload videos of you. So you have all that information. So when you're consulting with them in that session, that's when you kind of, it's more of like a Q&A problem solving. That exactly. Sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Okay. So I'm just kind of acting as, you know, you're bowling, but you got the the whatever the rails are up (laughs) like i'm just trying to keep you in line but you're still going down the runway yeah no i like that and then talk about your is it broken to beast yes program i've been seeing a lot about that yeah i've been building this out for honestly it's been like probably a year plus so i herniated a disc and that was like awful and i kept looking at it it was on it was a freak accident wasn't in the gym like i was helping lift a very heavy patient off the ground he had fallen and it it was bad. But anyways, so I had herniated disc. I was completely out of the gym, like had to take off like three months, started with some cycling, you know, kind of just started building back up. Um, and I kept looking at like, well, I can't deadlift. I can't do these bigger lifts that we all, you know, are told will make you big and strong and be healthy. So I was like, well, how can I build out a program that's is nice to me while I'm hurt right now. <laughs> so um, I built out this program where it's using a lot of alternating unilateral movements and building back up into more bilateral movements. It's also taking into account, you know, the the breath work and some different types of warmups that are specific to like body types. So using narrow and wide infrasternal angles, which is like a whole another conversation, <laughs> but it just like tells us like, you know, genetically, what does your skeleton look like, right? Like, are you tall and really skinny or are you like more short and wider frame, right? So you should probably benefit from this warm-up protocol versus another one. And maybe some of these other exercise variations as we progress through the program. So I try to make it a template program that's still individualized for the person. Yeah, that's awesome. And when will that be available? mid-may okay yeah so i'm hard at work on it right now yeah are you gonna have any involvement in once that person gets it or it's like a self-paced thing self-paced thing um i've got some things i'm it just depending on how it goes at the end of uh like maybe like the three the three months that people run it i might do like a yearly kind of program and trainerize with it but right now it's just you get a pdf you get a excel template program all the videos that come with it um and then in in the ebook that i have with it it's talking about stress nutrition sleep aspects environmental things to take into account with all of it as well nice awesome well that's cool i'm excited for you to get that out it seems like you've been working really hard on it yeah so i've got some positive feedback on it so far and using it i mean that's you know i've packed on substantial strength and like muscle mass doing it. So yeah. it is, I will say it is like a hypertrophy program. Okay. Um, but 
which, you know, adding muscle mass, but if you wanted to treat it as like a toning program, <laughs> which is the same thing as hypertrophy, but <laughs> toning. I don't toning. know if I'm allowed to let you say that. On I, okay, here. <laughs> good. I was like, well, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. 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 Well, it, so the goal is to make you aesthetic. Like that's what I look at. It's like going after mobility posture in a way, and then also just looking like a fit human being. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because I hate when people act like that's such a problem to no, have that that's, be a goal. <laughs> like, everyone wants to look good. Like, right. And that's why posture too is like everyone looks at it and it's like, well, no one wants to be hunched over and like look like crap. Yeah. Like everyone wants to look confident and happy and it's like, okay, but one, shaming someone for it. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just, that bothers me. Like, I, I, you know, especially when we do have an obesity epidemic happening right now it's like why are we putting up more barriers for entry yeah like someone wants to lose the weight and look good go for it like, yeah please like whatever's gonna make you healthy yeah ultimately like if that I, I, we can't argue that that is going to be healthier for you like your organs every system is going to need less adipose tissue like exactly it's, i understand that you can also appreciate your body for wherever you are but i think if the pursuit is always to be healthier then go for it and if that means that losing weight comes with that then I'm all for it. I'll exactly. support you in that. So yeah. Anyways, I, um, I'd love for, before we wrap up, I'd love for you to share a health challenge for listeners. I always ask everyone to share one challenge for the people to focus on and execute in this coming week. Okay. Um, so I would probably say, <clears throat> excuse me, just, I would say getting to bed at a specific time each night. Let me say that one more time because my voice. Yeah, I'll edit. <clears throat> um, I would say getting to bed at a certain bedtime each night or specific time. That's probably the best thing you can do. And like doing that without your phone. Like I'm going to go to bed at nine o'clock and I don't have the phone in the bed. Yeah. I think that's a really easy place to start for everybody. You don't have to wake up and see the sunshine because that sucks when you first start. But yeah, it's hard. Um you know, that'll at least get your sleep hygiene on point and it'll at least set you up for proper REM sleep and deep sleep cycles going forward. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I'm all about that. I definitely can. I've been lacking a little bit in my, yeah. or slacking a little bit in my sleep. So I'll be focusing in on that. Um, can you share where people can find you, right? Yeah. Uh, your YouTube is popping. Your Instagram is popping. Like all that information. Yeah. And I'll have that in the show notes as well. Perfect. Um, yeah. So you can just find me at Wafit. So that's my last name. W-A-U-G-H-F-I-T. No spaces. Um, that's the same thing for Instagram and YouTube. I'm not on Twitter because I don't like Twitter. But um, yeah, that's really where you can find me. And then uh, Wall Personal Training is my website. So www my last name, personaltraining.com. Okay. That sounds good. That'll be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending so much time with me. I appreciate sure. it. Of course. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. Yeah, always a good time. All right, everyone. If you have any questions for myself or Kyle, feel free to reach out. Contact information is going to be in the show notes so you can reach out to him directly. Or if you want to ask me a question based on something you heard, you know where to find me as well. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I so appreciate your interest in holistic health and hope you learned something you can apply to your own life. References from this episode are linked in the show notes, as well as links to find me, Evie, on social media platforms. If you'd like to learn more about services from Holistically Restored, click on the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this content, I encourage you to subscribe and also leave a review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, be well, my friends.